What's up, everybody? So I want to let you know that the Alpha Brain Golden Ticket Sweepstakes are still going on. And that's just a rad opportunity not only to stock up on your Alpha Brain or give Alpha Brain a try. Because if you haven't tried Alpha Brain, it's definitely one of those tools that's different than any stimulant you've had and gets your brain firing in an absolutely different way. And that's what our clinical research has shown, and that's what everybody who's tried it. You know, we've sold over a million bottles of Alpha Brain, and the results are in. It works. It's awesome. So this is a great opportunity, though, because if you get the Golden Ticket Sweepstakes, everybody is a winner, and there's a bunch of cool shit that we're giving away, from kettlebell sets to different other products, to discounts. Every single person is going to be a winner if you go to the golden ticket sweepstakes so check it out on it.com slash golden ticket and then enter the code and fill in the entry form there's going to be a grand prize for one of you which is going to be a trip out here to austin and on hq so you'll be able to come hang at the hq and do all the awesome on it things so definitely check it out go to on it.com slash golden dash ticket and get your 30 count or 90 count bottle of alpha brain I get so many incredible messages from you guys, and so many of you have asked about opportunities to come see on it, spend some more time getting personal coaching, maybe experience an ecstatic dance or some of the transformational practices with me. And so I wanted to open up the mastermind weekend that we had originally planned for the Go For Your Win group and open it up to everybody because the principles universally apply, whether it's own the day or go for your win or love and relationship or even the talks about psychedelics, everything interweaves and intertwines. And so I wanted to create something called the Aubrey Marcus Mastermind Weekend, which covers the entire gamut. And it's going to have some great motivational speakers, some roundtable discussions, opportunity to interact with me and the Onnit team, tour the Onnit HQ, and then experience my new, brand new ecstatic dance that I'm going to be debuting, which I'm super excited about that, leading you guys through that, and of course, dancing along with you. So if anybody's interested in the transformational practices or just diving a little deeper, getting to know me, and really get to drop in with myself, the inner circle, and the inner workings behind the Onnit team. So I hope to see a bunch of you guys there. If you're interested, go to aubreymarcus.com slash weekend, and you can check out tickets and some of the details there. So go to aubreymarcus.com slash weekend. Paul Check is back, master movement coach, consciousness explorer, all-around wizard. The first podcast we did was one of the biggest in AMP history. And this one, I had a few more questions that I wanted to get his expertise on. And of course, as usual, in Paul Check fashion, he dives super deep. So grab your life raft, grab your floaties, and try to keep afloat in these deep waters because we're going after it. I hope you guys enjoy this. Look forward to hearing your comments, and I'll talk to you after the podcast. Paul Check, round yes. two. Yes, thank you. The sequel. The sequel. To it the, had to happen. To the most exciting podcast I ever did in my life. <laughs> Amazing. Although, uh, since then, yesterday I had one with Mind Pump, and they really they took a page out of the Aubrey Marcus playbook. <laughs> oh, they, shit. They came loaded with some deep questions, They're man. up in the ante. <laughs> they, I like it. I like it. They're learning from the big boys. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. We'll have to listen to that one. Yeah, I'm sure you'll love it. And you know, you know, those guys are so beautiful. They're, and they love you, and they love what you're doing, and they love Kyle. And so it's great to, it's great to be able to share and not feel this urge to try to outsmart or outdo the other guy, but to realize the better we all do, the more love we get out into the world. Right. And, and it's great to see that camaraderie at a professional level. You know? Yeah. It's funny, you know, any type of scarcity creates a madness. Yeah. You know, because it's all, it's all based in delusion. It is. You know, because there's infinite love, yeah. infinite life, and yeah. like the most important shit is at infinity. 
Yeah. So at the core, scarcity in some degree is madness. Now, in certain in certain animal circumstances, like well, I get it, limited food, yeah, limited whatever. Yeah. But for the most part, what we're thinking is scarce is really not scarce. Well, we do have the consciousness, the capacity and the technology to create what we want to create in the abundance that we need if we have the willingness but scarcity consciousness is an expression of fear. And to quote Zig Ziglar, who I used to study years ago when I was a young man, he uses fear as an acronym for false evidence appearing real. And when you consider that the average person thinks 68,000 thoughts a day, of which 90% were shown to be negative, which means fearful, most people are worshiping the phantoms or the self-made dragons in their head that drives them to live, eat, behave, relate in ways that don't produce a sense of connection or wholeness and leads them to health problems and to, you know, medical approaches that aren't helpful or just covering up the symptoms. And so, you know, we're at a time right now where we all have to realize we're a human family and race, color, and creed are really more issues of artistic, creative expression that make the world more beautiful than uh something to squabble about we sure. have to start sharing everything yeah i agree with that and and talking about fear i remember you know one of the shamans that i respect the most from south america he had a, an expression and it was un demonio mm-hmm. one demon yes you know instead of we think of all these demons and demigorgons and whatever we have this idea of all these things he said no 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 one demon un demonio fear yeah. Fear is yeah. the one demon. Fear is the one virus yeah. at like the core of all of these things. It's at the core of scarcity. Scarcity is that fear of not being enough. It's that, you know, fear of not being worthy of, of love, fear of, mm-hmm. you know, fear of death, fear of pain, fear of all of these things. It's really one one demon yeah. that's at the base. And I think our the quality of our life will be determined by how effectively we treat ourselves of you know and heal ourselves of yeah. this virus and that's that you know we were on the shaman panel yesterday and i talked about how the need for a rite of passage is so important and that we've lost our tribal structure we've lost our elders and it was the wise people in every tribe or culture that taught us what was something to legitimately be afraid of you know for example if there's a massive storm coming your way and it might, you know, wipe out your home and everything else. Then you, that's that's a healthy fear. If you're near an animal, self-preservation. That, yeah, I mean, so there's legitimate fear, and then there's. Uh, I don't even like to unproductive call, fear. I don't even like to call that fear. I like to just say, all right, that's self-preservation, right? Like, yeah. let's not even use the let's not even or lowercase fear. Maybe yeah. that's a good way to distinguish it. Well, you know, there's there's. The kind of fear you're talking about, but the kind of fear they're talking about is the fear of worship. Right. Remember, all cultures had mythologies to guide their interaction with each other and with life and with powers that were beyond their ability to understand or control. So when they say something like, have legitimate fear for this monsoon, they don't mean the fear of um, the kind of fear we're talking about, silly stuff. They mean worship the power of Mother Nature and worship that you must do the things you've got to do to integrate yourself it's with the reality with the reality it's respect yeah it's it's even beyond respect it's um it's respect with awe because look lightning it's very powerful 
Mm-hmm. And if you are stupid enough to dance in the rain in an area where you might become a lightning rod, then you're not having a healthy respect for the power of lightning. Yeah. And so, yes, and this is also a confusion in religion, right? Because oftentimes religions talk about fearing God, but the authentic means of fearing God is to worship and honor and love and respect the power of the universe and that which creates it. But then you throw all the other, you know, manipulation tactics in there, and then you get fear of touching your genitals, fear of, <laughs> fear of, uh, you know, your next door neighbor, fear, fear of, uh, you know, burning in hell. I mean, that's the kind of fear that we, we need to heal. We need to heal, yeah. Respect with awe. I mean, that is, and I think the interpretation of how you should approach a lot of these things with great great power and great magic to them i mean even psychedelics like how do you approach a psychedelic respect with awe absolutely you know like that's the only way no matter how many times you've crossed the bridge no matter how many times when you hold that cup of ayahuasca in your hand or you're Mm -hmm. looking at you know six grams of mushrooms or whatever whatever your thing is that you're doing it doesn't matter at that point you better center yourself with respect and awe and humility and and surrender you know in advance and to that, you, to that you, power. Exactly. And if you don't do that, like a lot of people don't with all drugs, I mean, even alcohol, there's a reason it's called spirits, right? Mm-hmm. You're synthesizing the spirit of that plant and you're consuming it. And that spirit is essentially the consciousness of the plant. So if you smoke marijuana, you're imbibing the spirit of the marijuana plant. You know, one of my quotes is marijuana says, don't just stand there, grow. Right? So people get stoned and they just give up on everything and hang around and, and, and they're not worshiping the plant. They're not using it to grow. They're not using sure. it to expand artistic creativity or consciousness. So they're not even doing what the plant is giving them the opportunity to do, which is grow. So when people use anything, whether it be food, sex, money, sugar, weapons, anything without that honest respect, they, they get grounded. And if you abuse sacred medicines of any type then i can tell you for sure because i've had countless numbers of people who do that end up with serious mental emotional problems schizophrenic type situations uh, fragmented psyches um, unable to work uh, health problems using drugs that they don't know where they came from that are toxic that are not even, I had a guy die because he thought he was doing DMT, but it turned out to be a street drug called 25I, and he overdosed himself, killed himself, and almost killed the guy he was supposed to be taking on a journey as a so-called shaman, and did not know where it came from, ignored my warnings, and now he's gone. And it broke my heart because he was was my massage therapist and was a friend of mine, but, you know, he had, you know... uh, he's what i call young dumb and full of cum kind of attitude yeah you know any medicine becomes poison at a certain dose yeah it's just a purely dose dependent relationship and as you were talking about ingesting the plants and then using their spirits to imbue you with what what you should do you know when i was doing research on marijuana there was a dose dependent relationship between how much marijuana you had and your creativity and your productivity i don't at a, doubt it yeah. at a certain higher dose all of that kind of went away and you lost that ability and you think about the plant itself the plant has the wisdom 
to not grow so big that it will utilize all of the nutrients from the soil mm -hmm. that it won't be able to sustain itself like any plant could grow so big that it would die Yes, because there's absolutely. not enough water there's yeah. not the roots aren't deep enough you yeah. know a tree that tries to grow too big too fast just okay we're going straight up we're not putting the roots down we're going straight up. what's going to happen the wind's going to come and it's going to fall straight the fuck over right so anytime we're taking any one of these plants we have to think about the plant itself we can only take enough plant for how deep our roots go how nutrient rich the soil is like what we're putting into our body like how much sunlight we're taking in mm -hmm. how stable our structure is and whenever we push that you know try to create a grove by continually taking plants without putting the roots down we're going to run into a lot of trouble yeah i mean and that's when these medicines which are medicines yeah will clearly become poisons and sometimes with disastrous and fatal consequences and the other thing too is that the the plant as you were describing uh, not overgrowing, the plant itself does not make that decisions as an entity because what we think of as any given plant or tree is not an entity in and of itself. No tree is a tree without earth. No tree is a tree without water. All connected. No tree is a tree without sun and no tree is a tree without air. So really we call it a plant or a tree or a flower, but really what it is is a synthetic weave of elements and the plant is largely regulated as is the tree, but in its growth and its capacity by the fungi and the microorganisms in the root system that are feeding it the nutrients and regulating it and let it know how much water is available and let it know what nutrients are available and when to grow fast and when to slow down and when to drop its leaves. So you mean the ego of the tree doesn't just decide to no, shoot straight no. up and be taller than everybody else? No, you see the the, the tree, <laughs> the tree, the tree's ego and the plant's <laughs> ego is the, is the consciousness of the whole planet. Yeah. So, whenever we disengage ourselves from the very support systems that the plants have which is a healthy gut microbiome which can only come from healthy food which can only come from healthy soil which can only come from clean water which can only come from adequate exposure to sunlight and being grounded so there's an electromagnetic current when whenever we break that same formula we start making decisions in our head and we do try to grow too much and so yeah. we build buildings too tall for you know like look at how big my dick is type buildings and yep. we build organizations and we do all sorts of stuff that actually is against the principles of nature and inevitably has to collapse and look where we're at now can you imagine if all the plants had egos like humans and all the cockroaches and flies and ants and all the insects every all of nature's garbage keepers that have to act impeccably for this whole thing all the microorganisms everything could just decide no nah, fuck that I'm not going to the garbage. I'm going to fresh food right now. You know, I'm not doing this. I'm not going to just put my roots down. I'm going to grow straight up. Like we humans have the luxury of this ego, but it's also the curse of this ego. It allows us to act against our own nature and act against the nature of the environment at large. Mm -hmm. And we're one of the few organisms that have that. And we have to get past that to the awareness of the ego tap back into the collective so that we can start making decisions that can be actually helpful for ourselves and helpful for the planet because we do have this luxury slash curse of this mm -hmm. ego that allows us to go against our own nature and go against the nature of our fucking home and that's exactly what religion's actual intention is which began as shamanism the function of you know seasonal or regular ceremonies with mushrooms or psychedelics or 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 peace pipe ceremonies was to connect us back into the roots of ourselves it was to um, learn from the elders 
for example, doing a peyote ceremony. It, it, it is to show you what it is like to be without the individual ego so you can actually be viscerally connected to the greater whole that allows you to exist. So when you realize that shamanism, which became religion, was actually there to teach you how to worship the greater whole of yourself, but yet learn how to be an individual contributor within, just like when you look at a beautiful painting, the red dots on that painting give it a unique vibration. Every color on there, be it the white space, is the same concept of, you know, Aubrey's the red, Paul's the brown, Mike's this color. You see, so the same way we, we use different colors to make art beautiful, each of us has a unique viewpoint, a unique inner experience, a unique way of loving and relating. Mm -hmm. So when the ego functions as it's actually intended to function, we all are contributors to the tapestry of the art of life itself. But if red gets an attitude and just starts vomiting itself all over the painting, we now no longer have red we have you know as a metaphor we've got a donald trump type well we experience. no longer have art we have chaos we yeah we we, we have you a know, breakdown of we're, integration we're not yeah we're not guided by these forces yeah. i don't i honestly feel that our sacred task as humans with this ego is to come together intentionally and to cooperate in large scale to prevent the cataclysmic the next cataclysm of the earth the earth has a cataclysmic history I yeah mean, histories of floods wiping out ancient mm -hmm. civilizations like these ideas from graham hancock these are no longer theories no these have been proven and this yeah. happens over and over yeah. and over and sure. over again and one of these iterations of the smart monkeys mm -hmm. maybe we'll stop fucking carving lines and borders and maybe we'll stop calling each other other races and identities and genders mm -hmm. and worrying about that shit and say hey how about we stop the next flood hey how about we stop the next asteroidal impact so that all of the flora and fauna that we love right now like hey you know fuck maybe you love pugs or fucking bullies like yeah. you know what they're gonna be gone and mm -hmm. they'll maybe never be back again yeah so will all these other majestic creatures including yeah. ourselves if we don't come together in time to at least give it our best effort before earth hits that you know Critical. 50 million hundred million dollar reset button where yeah. who knows what the fuck else is going to yeah come. well you know there is a beautiful built-in mechanism to let you know when the ego needs a tune-up or it's being used in ways that are not creating harmony integration and growth toward the experience of your dream and that's a beautiful thing i call the pain teacher whenever your ego is not gathering the sensory motor or cognitive or spiritual awareness it needs to become part of the tapestry of the art of life it inevitably produces pain within your body pain within relationships pain within uh, cultures battles uh, racial and it just goes right to the top but we have created an environment a corporate environment that sees pain as a great capitalistic adventure we mm. can sell you a drug to knock out any pain you stimulate want stimulate pain provide the solution exactly so and we, it's not only corporate i mean capital r religion's been doing that too yes exactly stimulate fear stimulate guilt and, provide and, the absolution right and and now drug it is 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 the you know the big thing and when religion and science went their separate ways then we developed a science without any morality so we make weapons that can destroy the whole planet it's not our fault we're not into the morality our job is just to test the science good well 
great. So now you have all sorts of things out there. Look, almost every drug or every dangerous thing that was taken off the market was scientifically approved by somebody. And so we, we separate the heart from the head. And now we're, you know, they say the journey from the head to the heart is only one and a half feet, but it's the longest journey you'll ever take. And we need to be aware that when we're having physical health problems or emotional pain due to relationship conflicts, or we're scared because of the environmental issues or whatever it be, if pain is there, its function is to bring you into a higher awareness of what you're choosing so that you can choose better and choose pro-life. And that's why on our last interview, I think I quoted Edward Edinger, MD's definition of consciousness, because it really sums it up. Consciousness is a psychic substance produced not blindly, but in living awareness of opposites. And everything in creation is the product of the male and the female, which are complementary opposites. And when the ego is making choices that are destructive, it's usually generating too much energy in the yang cycle or the output, the do, have, give, take, burn, slash, cut. Not listening. Not listening, just you know, being like a young warrior who doesn't have a lot of intelligence, but just wants to kill somebody to ease its urge for a sense of- Validation. Uh, look, look how tough I am, yeah. you know? Young, dumb, and full of cum. <laughs> When you talk about, like, you think about our all of us individually, and it seems like there's a lot of wisdom as to what knowing what we should do. Yeah. And then there's the force of resistance that holds us back from doing that yeah. thing. Is that force of resistance, is that always just the ego? And why is, why is the ego always in this antagonistic resistance place? And I have my own theory, but I want to I hear what you yeah, have Yeah, well, you, first we have to really look at what the ego is. I mean, when you look at the research on what the ego is, the ego is actually a collection of networks, neural networks. Jung used the term complex for anything that holds an emotional charge. That, and, and a complex is a set of ideas feelings or associations that are linked to some specific experience. So for example, if your father used to whip you with a black belt, you're going to begin associating the concept of father, black belt, and pain together. And then I'm going to go to a gay club and find some fatherly figure to whip me with a well, black here's belt the, and get here's a boner the, from it. Here's what I'm, some weird interpretation of how that ends up working out. So what Good happens, job, Dad. the pain... That didn't happen, everybody. I didn't get whipped with a black belt. And I don't go to gay clubs <laughs> get whipped with black belts now. The, the pain is the driving force that causes... Remember, neurons that fire together wire together. Mm -hmm. So now you get a complex that includes father, black belt, pain and whatever the reason you're being punished for touching my genitals or eating too much food, uh, eating cookies out of the cookie jar or taking the car without permission. So that becomes a complex. Now that complex wires itself up to anything to do with a man because the father image is connected to the image of men. The black belt connects to any concept of a belt. These are archetypal concepts and then the neural network associates itself with anything to do. Let's say it was taking the car. So anytime a car is involved. So now every neural network that has something to do with a car has something to do with, say, a black belt has something to do with a man starts talking to each other to, to warn each other. The ego, by definition, is the overarching integration of those complexes or neural networks 
that is the language or the talk between each of them as one entity. So just like you have an office with, say, 65 workers in it, they're each doing individual things. They each have their own complex tasks to function. But the overarching consciousness of everybody in on it would be the metaphor for the ego or the self-consciousness of on it as an organization. So the ego is the overarching self-consciousness of the organization we call I. Mm -hmm. And it is what is necessary for us to, you know, your the unconscious processes or the subconscious processes are what regulates your cells, keeps you breathing, makes you digest, metabolize, assimilate, and eliminate. But those processes aren't what decide what color you put on the painting or where you're going to go on vacation or how much money you should should spend versus how much you should save. Those processes do get involved if you use the techniques I teach, for example, in my primal pattern eating or the Czech holistic lifestyle coaching program, they do get involved in telling you how much water you need to drink when you're tired. Um, they even get involved in things oh. like your sex drive. Assuming you're bypassing the ego decision, listening to the actual body, you're listening, listening yeah. to the spirit that's coming yeah. through the body and not yeah. just this, this kind of fear accumulation that that's created the ego. The, the ego is largely based on what we would call intellectual perception, idea perception right your 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 body does not uh say to you look you really need to change the furniture in your house it looks ugly your body tells you about everything about how you're doing surviving in the house for example if your electron if your wireless system's on all night your body might let you know something's up because you're agitated and you can't get into a deep sleep and you keep waking up all through the night so the body will give you the feedback that says for some reason i'm not sleeping but it's the intellectual mind that has to say, what is it in this house that's stopping me from sleeping? Because since we've moved into this house, I haven't been able to sleep. And oh, by the way, we didn't have a wireless system in our last house. That's part of this new surround sound and this high-tech electronics we have in the house. So the intellectual has to rise up to deal with the complexities that the complex mind has created. But if you're sleeping under a tree in nature, then that part of your ego wouldn't be needed yeah. and your instincts would be driving you. But well, that's the helpful puzzle solving aspect yeah. of the ego. Yes, the ego has a very, very important essential function because consciousness cannot grow past the collectivity of the web of life and create individuality. We couldn't have a Mozart without an ego. We couldn't have a Leonardo da Vinci. We couldn't have an Aubrey Marcus, a Paul Cech. We couldn't have a Lady Gaga, uh, et cetera. Well, because the ego, <clears throat> but all of those artists, it, the ego is then in some time, somehow harmonized with spirit. It, it is spirit itself. It mm. is spirit. Look, spirit is the wave on the ocean of the divine. If you imagine that the divine is the infinite ocean of mm. the absolute abyss, on, of, on which there are waves, and each one of those waves is actually something that the divine can be conscious of because at the level of the absolute, there's nothing to be conscious of. It's only when it turns its attention inward, there is nothing behind God. God can only look in or you don't have God. That's one definition of God, that which has nothing behind it. So it can only experience itself and egos and selves look at each other from inside God, but they have the perception 
that God is out there and they're in here. But when you look at quantum physics, everything that you and I see and interact with and talk with is nothing but waves of energy and information. But those waves are actually expressed within the conscious ocean of the absolute. And everything in totality, no matter what you think it is or how big you think it is, is actually so minuscule and so minute relative to the absolute that the entire existence of the universe is a flash in the pan of the duration of the eternal now. So the ego is also essential for our experience because it's what helps us have this illusion of time. And and separation. And separation. And, And that is essential because if there was no separation created by the ego as i talked about in my last interview with you it would kill the experience of love if you and your woman did not know you were separate individuals you would have no conscious intention or need to love because you wouldn't there would be no tension in the dance there would would be how do you dance how do you dance a tango if you're sucked up together as one unit exactly you know you're not no longer dancing the tango there's no tension between the hands because there's no separation in the dance of life and you get that experience when you do something like 5-MeO DMT yes and you get pulled into the somatic body of God of complete non-separation of complete unicity and you feel that feeling and I remember the first time I did it I felt that feeling and it was the most incredible fucking feeling of my life yes but when the provider the shaman asked me would you like to go again I go no thanks like I'm not done with this dance. I'm not done with my ego, with my life, with my identity, with the tension, with the struggle, with being able to be a warrior, with getting my ass kicked, with getting back up with a fucking black eye and going back with a shitty grin and being like, come on, let's go. I'm here in the fucking shit. I'm here in the stink. Let's make a fucking party. Let's go have a fucking circus. Let's do this shit. Yeah, and so do you see that when you enter the, shall we say, the abyss of unconditional love, which is total unity and no I or thou, no ego function, one taste of that makes you really want to run home and hug and kiss somebody and and even hug a tree because you realize that this functional separation that allows love to be an experience in time is the only way God can experience God. We are God looking at and interacting with God not realizing it. This is why when people asked St. Francis of Assisi, they kept saying, how do you find God? How do you find God? What is God? And he said, what you are looking for is what's looking. (laughs) Right? And it's that simple. But that's, you know, God's got a wicked sense of humor. This is, this is quite funny, right? So people go to church and they go to religious <laughs> wars. Like a religious war is really just this total statement that you haven't got a clue what God is and you've been totally manipulated from the word get go, right? From the very beginning. And so we have this beautiful, beautiful weave of opportunity. And we're at the point now where we're with individuality starts to, you start to see a growth of complexity, So we've actually reached the peak of the complexity curve and almost every civilization that's collapsed in the history, there's like been six major extinctions or collapses. So empires like the Roman Empire, the Egyptian Egyptian Empire, every one of them got highly complicated right before the collapse. So complexity needs simplicity as a foundation. And we're at the point now where we're so trapped in our ego and so trapped in false evidence appearing real 
and chasing after the wrong things and falling in love with ideas and forgetting that ideas have to have roots in the earth to survive, that we're at a tipping point where if we don't get back to the sacred ceremonies and holding hands and doing what the shaman did and worshiping nature and having a functional mythology that brings us back into contact with the magic and the mystery of life, then we're going to have to go through the complexity topple of realizing that the building's so high that its roots can't hold it up anymore and we're extracting more out of nature than is than, than love can support as love anymore. Yeah, and I think that is the sacred role of the plants. And I think yeah. they're all coming online just in time. They you are. Know? Because there's yeah. legalization efforts for MDMA and psilocybin from MAPS yeah. and Hefter. There's religious exemptions coming online yeah. and legal protection now coming online and awareness mm-hmm. because we have to realize that we are not separate and that's the only way that's the only way that we actually can get through it like look i'm in <clears throat> i'm in an open relationship yeah. the only way out of my terrible jealousy the thousand spears that are in my side in my stomach when my lover is with another man is to the love. only way <laughs> is to love both of them yeah both of them even when i don't know him which makes it even way fucking harder yeah even when I don't know him, love both of them and love the pleasure that both of them are having and see them as myself. I've tried every other fucking way. I've tried to have my ego dominate the other person and show how much better I am. I've tried to be be angry and push, you know, push her mm-hmm. away and all of the other tactics. The only thing that allows that to work, to take this potential antagonist, this potential enemy, mm-hmm. you know, who's taking something from me in this one vibrational mindset, the only way is to say, oh no, that's me living a different life. That's me living yeah. a different life. We're all the same. And then at that point, you can harmonize it and then love can flow universally and the whole experience can become pleasurable rather than deathly agonizing. Well, in my system, I teach that love always flows from I to we to all. So as you're talking about the the experiences you just described, uh, that kind of emotional territorial reaction is almost always rooted in the need to take responsibility for one loving themselves so fully that the other person doesn't feel like they're stealing something from you, yeah, right? Right. And that's a that's we're not trained to do that. Our, you know, our our Judeo-Christian culture always says, "Love everybody else, do everybody else." Jesus gave everything away. To to love yourself is narcissistic or selfish or overly egotistical. And this is one of the reasons there's so much ego bashing in religion. But the reality of it is, I can't love Aubrey or anybody else better than I can love myself. And if I do, I'm faking it. I'm writing a rubber love check. And if you study the emotional mental causes of breast cancer, for example, when women love others at the expense of themselves, they grow to resent their own children and their own family. But it, behind that is, a, is, a, is programming and fear about being honest about, I need more rest. I need this. I need time to play. I need time to go to the gym. I can't handle these kids by myself. I can't handle the weight of this uh, money that we got to make every month. I need some support. So what I'm sharing here is that and you know, you know that I've done plenty of multiple partner mm-hmm. experiences. I, I I married my second wife on the pretense that I had to have the freedom to be able to be intimate with any woman that I wanted to, as long as I was honest with her, and she could do the same if she wanted to. We just had an an honesty policy, so nobody was confused sure. or surprised. And so, 
I've lived through all this and I have two wives. I know what it means to um, keep a family together and to be fair and to be honest and balance intimacy in a family so that there's not jealousy. But I have to, like, I have to be honest that when I come home from work, I'm, I've been talking all day and dealing with complicated patients and I need time to go be with myself. So even though they have things that they might want me to do or might want to talk to me about their day, I have to go have a half an hour in the sauna and 15 minutes or 20 minutes to do my Tai Chi and uh, 10 or 15 minutes for an ice cold shower so that I can, if I have that one hour, then I have something to share with my wives when I'm done. And if I don't get that hour, then I can't be present with them because I'm broken metaphorically. I'm still in need of loving myself. Only when we love ourselves effectively can we really be present and fully in a relationship with somebody else. What you're talking about is a very, very evolved um, point of consciousness. It's very integral. And if you study Ken Wilber's work, only 2% of the world population is at that level of consciousness. And that's the ability to see yourself in and as everybody in all things and know that you have the capacity to love each of those people. For example, you could love the guy who's making love to her, which as you said, is a growth process. You can love her even though you feel that there's jealousy rising up in your insecurity. Like what if he's better in bed than me? Or what mm-hmm. if he's smarter than me? Or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, the male ego does all sorts of cool shit to your head, <laughs> oh, right? Yeah. And it's wired into us. I mean, look, big horn sheep battle each other. Grizzly bears battle each other. This is not like there's something wrong with us. It's just part of nature and it's part of protecting genes and, and, and it's also part of weeding the weak ones out, right? There's just no question. Silverback gorillas will kick the shit out of each other and kill each other so that only the strong ones survive and reproduce offspring and only the big boy gets to have sex with the girls and that's nature keeping the gene line strong so they can survive so, and don't get me wrong, I've had that fantasy. I've had that <laughs> fantasy many times, my yeah, brother. Yeah, I, I, many motherfucking times. Yeah, I know, and 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 that's where we get to become more. That's yeah. where we get to say, am I am I an animal still? Yeah. Or am I growing some wings back here? Can I, you know, tarot archetype number fourteen in tarot is temperance. Can I be? Can I sit back? and watch the water boil before I throw the pot at somebody and just know that the steam's bleeding off and I'll be okay. And right now is a good chance to, to ask myself, why did I choose this path? I chose this path. Look, if you choose to go learn martial arts from a master, he's going to teach you new ways to experience pain until you become a master, yep. right? If you choose to love multiple partners, if you're not good at loving one, then you're an idiot for trying to love two at once because it's like trying to ride two horses at once. If you can't ride one, Riding two horses is sure to get you split in half. So you see, your concept from, from to, to me as a therapist and a guy who's walked this path is one who says, I'm taking responsibility for loving myself. I can handle one woman, but I have enough love to share to handle multiple women. And I'm also brave enough to deal with my insecurities and heal them by going up to the top of the ladder at the all level and saying, I am that guy. I am her. And I have to choose that awareness above and beyond what my fear and my individual ego has to say and that's how you become a saint (laughs) that's the road baby it's the the path of fire 
It you is. Know, and, and, it, it, and again, pain becomes that great teacher because you try, like I have that Thunderdome fantasy, like, okay, motherfucker, choose the weapon. Let's cage this up. Yeah. Let's see who returns. You know, yeah. let's see how it goes. What are we dipping in glass like blood sport? Yeah. You know, like we go in swords, we go in, yeah. what do you want, buddy? Like, let's go. But that that only leads to more suffering and it forces this higher level of consciousness and also forces radical self-love because anything that i'm trying to externally validate mm -hmm. from any any woman that i'm with yeah. oh that i'm a great lover oh that i'm this type of man oh that i have this or i have this much money or i'm this smart or i'm doing this much for the world when they go out and they find that person that's better than me yeah at whatever that thing is and i lose that sense of validation mm -hmm. it forces me to realize like i don't need that external impetus i don't need that external thing to make me feel valid to make me feel worthy of love yes right which is because we will only give ourselves as much love as we feel worthy of we're constantly judging ourselves and it's not only us giving us love we will block the love you know our judge our arbiter our like love pez dispenser is so accurate it's not only that we will not give ourselves the love we will block the love from other people if we feel like we don't deserve it because we're not worthy of it. And I had deep shit about not being worthy of love unless I was the best lover, unless I was mm. the most dominant lover, unless I was the most dominant male. And all of this shit is getting unwound where I'm realizing like, oh, I wasn't loving myself. I wasn't receiving love unless I felt that way. And then that shit just gets ripped open and exposed and raw. And then I get a chance to look and say, oh, whoops. No, I don't need to continually validate this externally. I'm valid already because I'm an expression of life somatically, you know, You're incarcerated here. in the cells. You're here. I'm here. And that's it. I am here. That's, that is the validation statement. I am here. You know, the other thing, Aubrey, is that for you to even be able to have that conversation, it means you're already essentially an alpha male i mean how many men can actually say they they have these kinds of experiences other than fantasizing about them so the point that i'm making is we have to remember that we are emulating out the way we live the way we think to all the younger people be it men or women and when we take the competitive approach that you were just describing that needs to be healed to the degree we're successful that we inspire every other male to follow that path because they think that's how you get more women. That's yeah. how you get to have a successful big company. That's how you get your face in magazines. That's how you get on podcasts and radios and television shows. You got to go ass kick all the guys in the way that want to touch your woman. And <laughs> most people end up broken, seriously broken sure. before they ever get to have that uh, two girls at one time experience. Um, and the other thing is, it goes, you know, Plotinus warned that the soul's greatest addiction was to matter. Why? Because the essence of the soul is pure consciousness itself. It's God itself. Matter is the only way that it can experience or engage something to say, I am here, right? Yeah. Imagine if you were everywhere and nowhere at once and you had no body, how could you express yourself? How could you experience? How could you make love? So the soul falls in love with matter. It becomes body identified. It becomes identified with its cars, its toys, its boobies, its dick, its fingernails, <laughs> its eyelashes, its house. And it, it falls into matter so deeply it forgets what it really is. And 
we get to the point where we have so much stuff and so much material success, but yet you see people like Elvis Presley, Michael Jackson, and the list is very long of people who had all the people they could have sex with, they could dream of, more money they can spend, more success and more fame, yet we're very, very empty in the heart. And that's the soul's longing to be satiated. And the soul can only be satiated by what it truly is. And once, and that's the path of true religion. That's the path of true spirituality is to realize that you can never truly be fulfilled until you figure out what God really is and engage in that. And when you realize that God expresses itself as life, as all life and all form, God is energy in formation. And the universe is the formation within which the energy expresses itself as something. So you could say that the soul falls in love with creation, but it reaches the point where it must realize that it is more than the creation. It is the creator. And that requires that we rise above entanglements such as my girl, your girl, my house, your house, get the fuck out of here, I'll kill you, you're the wrong color, you're the wrong religion, if you don't take Jesus, you're going to burn in hell. Those are all indications of the soul that's trapped in matter and the concept of mine versus yours in possession. And possession is based on the concept that there's no such thing as abundance, which means, again, you don't understand what God is and God's unconditional love, which is the total giveaway, which is why in most Native American cultures, the shaman and the medicine men would work on what's called the giveaway principle. If you couldn't afford to pay them, but you had a little bit of corn or an extra couple of arrows or uh, a, a, a flint for starting fires, you gave them what you could give. Or a sincere thank you. Yeah, or a hug. <laughs> yeah, uh, exactly. But, but it was honest, right? Yep. If you were really down to nothing, then you got treated and your, your appreciation was adequate, but there wasn't this silly game going on. Right. So we're, we're at a point now where we have fallen so deeply into self-identity and integration into matter and getting trapped in issues of matter. You know, my car, my house, my home, another rocket on the moon. But we haven't reached the point of intelligence to look and say, what is it that's making the matter dance? Right? As Osho says, you can cut open the dancer but you will not, you can cut open the dancer, but you will not find the dance. We have to say what's making it all dance. And when we realize that consciousness is what's making the matter dance, just like a magnet makes iron filings take formation. And we realize that what we really are is that which is creating the form. Then why would you want to fall in love with the car when you are really greater than the car itself or greater than the money itself or greater than the Taj Mahal itself? We have to merge into this state of awareness together collectively that we've got to start getting together, singing more, chanting more, worshiping, planting, planting plants, nourishing the plants, respecting the animals, eating what we need to have enough energy to take care of the garden so we can all survive and know that souls come to this planet at very different stages of development. Someone who even thinks or talks about the concepts you talk about is a wise old soul that's been here many times and came here to be a teacher or a master gardener to guide the young souls who are just waking up because this is- Wait, I'm only... not here just to get my ass kicked? Because no, sometimes no, I no. Feel, like, feel like that's the program for no, me. No, well, but you know, the thing is, is that God's so invested in God that God is willing to start over from scratch every time. 
and you have to start at first grade even if you graduated to high school last lifetime you still have to come in at first grade i don't care what kid goes to school and says i don't need to go to high school they're going to still start you in first grade now if you can test out then they'll let you go but you got to prove competence so essentially we all have to develop the confidence each lifetime competence and confidence to to reactivate our memories of our internal wisdom and remember who we are and i've had many many experiences you know i i've done a lot of healings with people and i turn myself over to spirit and spirit will guide me you know beings might show up i've had shamans show up in the room that i see clairvoyantly and then we'll say paul grab the rattles use those rattles here's the frequency i want you to use go to the sacrum work on the sacrum now go up the spine they will guide and direct me so what i found is whenever we show up out of willingness to love and support that spirit shows up to guide us and we realize there's always wisdom greater than us and we realize that the veil between the people that are here and the people that aren't here that are still wise is 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 only as th uh, thick as we make it by our own spiritual development in other words if you believe that all that stuff is bullshit well guess what you got a very thick wall between you and help but when you say okay i got to put myself aside and see what spirit can serve up and you're all of a sudden doing things and what my point was i've had many experiences of going wow i am doing something that i thought i've never done before but when i start doing it i realize i've done it a thousand times and it's only when i go into that state of open receptivity and shall we say put the sunroof of the ego wide open so the light of con higher consciousness can get in that i go oh man and all of a sudden i have visions of me doing healing work in multiple lifetimes but you see i didn't start having those experiences till i grew myself spiritually yeah. to the point where i could get my ego to shut up because the ego would say how is that even possible i say who cares if it's possible look the guy's telling you what to do and it's working so quit fucking analyzing and just pay attention <laughs> at this point it's it's a really interesting thing I've, I've been talking to some of my closer friends and I do know what it feels like to tap into the soul, to tap into spirit and mm -hmm. to be guided by that. And <clears throat> every time I'm, you know, off course or driven a certain way, it's because I haven't done that. It's mm -hmm. because I haven't intentionally taken the moment to listen, to get out of my own way. And it's and it's so I'm so sure now of that process, but yet still I don't do it. It's almost like I'm a little, the ego's like this little petulant child that's like putting its middle finger up to spirit and going, bah, 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 mm -hmm. bah, and sticking its tongue out. Because <clears throat> when, when you do open yourself up to it, that's when the magic comes. When I'm on stage and I'm speaking to somebody, yeah. you know, and it's my ego trying to think about things and we're, I, I'm shit, you know? Mm -hmm. But when I just say, all right, spirit, what do you want today? Yeah. You know, what do you want today? Let's get out of the way. That's when me expressed it like powers my own identity and personality, and I get to deliver something that's that's worthwhile. It's you know? a it's you're you're a hundred percent accurate, and in, in my and all I can share is my own opinion, and uh, and I've been doing these practices for a very long time, as I think I shared in my previous interview. You know, my mother's a yogi, and, and I started being introduced to the monks and and self realization fellowship practices and meditation and all things related at the age of twelve, but. <sighs> As we said, I talked earlier, the ego is really a, a name for a complex of complexes. And when we're working with the concept of speaking to our soul, we have to reach the point of being able to completely go silent within ourselves 
to hear the voice of the soul. If we cannot silence those complexes, which is like thousands of little people inside of our head, then we can't really tell whether we're listening to the soul or we're listening to some fragment of our ego. And it's like part, listening to a wise old woman in a school bus full of yelling children. Exactly. And, and, you know, even though, for example, I can show people how to connect to their soul like I did on our last show and I teach my students, I warn them, I say, look, it is a very long committed process which requires meditation, focus, and an honest willingness to look into your life just like you're talking about, about where you're playing games with yourself and manufacturing fears and ideas because those are all little complexes going in there and every one of them has the power to impersonate the soul. Yeah. And many of my students have come back and told me the things that they've done that their soul told them to do. And I said, look, if you trust me as your teacher, I'll tell you, that's not your soul talking. That's your soul being impersonated by a fragment of your ego. And so the real spiritual practice is spending enough time each day grounding yourself in stillness and clearing yourself of the needs of things that you don't really need or the desires for more power than you need or the more sex than you need. And practicing witnessing your mind and talking to your soul in those states of deep connection and, and stillness so that you get a genuine visceral sense of the voice of the soul and what it's like to know when you're in full listening mode. And if you don't go through the years of practice, then you can easily think your soul's talking to you and not realize that it's another part of you impersonating and just Here's an example of how quickly we impersonate. Have you ever been to a movie that you really liked? And as you're walking out the movie, you're walking and talking like your superhero or your James Bond in the movie. And you, and you catch yourself going, oh, I'm acting just like James Bond right now. And we think it's kind of funny. And you, you watch, you look at how many uh, youthful teenagers take on the, the, the walking gait of their sports star or the slur of their rap star, right? We we have mirror neurons that mirror everybody around us. Sure. And those mirror neurons are no different than the complexes in our brain. And when our ego starts saying, wait a minute, now I'm in competition with this thing called a soul that gives me instructions that mean I don't get as much sex as I want. I don't get to be as cool as I want to be. No, who's going to love me? You see, the ego has to find spirituality to see the value in loving itself. Otherwise, it only finds love in money, power, and possession. Yeah. And that's the trick. And, and that's why even when you talk to someone like Paul Selig, who is, in my opinion, completely tapped in to spirit, and he calls it the guides, but whatever comes through him is the, mm -hmm. one of the purest messages I've ever seen. He still, even as the, one of the clearest listeners that I've ever encountered, he still says, you know, I don't do it for myself. Like, I can't get guidance for myself because my ego is still so strong yeah that it that it fucks up the transmission when it's for me yeah you know because it's biased and it has like motivations and fears and i think that's where the discernment comes in when we're trying to get advice for ourselves because the ego is heavily invested mm -hmm. in the self it's a little easier if you're creating art or if you're giving advice to someone else you know because your, your ego is not quite as agitated so it doesn't yeah. have maybe as much fuel mm -hmm. to get in the way. And so having that healthy skepticism mm -hmm. about those voices coming in, especially if it's having to do with something that really matters, like your love life or your yeah. career or money or something that the ego is going to get targeted, yeah. ego is highly motivated. Yes, it is. Yeah. And, and, that's, and that's the case where, you know, 
listen and keep listening and keep getting more still and keep checking and have that healthy discernment. Is this the right voice? Is this a voice trying to pump me up and make me feel grander? Or is this a voice that's trying to fill me with fear? Mm-hmm. You know, Because either one of those typically isn't what the soul is going to do. Yeah. You know, when that soul comes in, when you're deep in prayer and that message comes in, you can feel it. If you feel it somatically, it's like a release. Like every part of your chest just opens. I remember I was sitting in, in one of the deepest prayers and one of the deepest pain that I was, and I couldn't figure it out. My ego was scrambling and figuring. I just said, help God, help, yeah. help. And then it gave me this image again of the sun and the sun not judging the sun by the shadows that it creates. Yeah. And it was this full somatic release. And mm-hmm. I knew at that point, like, oh, this is a message from spirit. You know, like, I get it. And that's that's what it means in the Bible when it says, ask and ye shall receive. Right. That's one of the functions of that. It means, you know, when you, on your own devices, as a unit of consciousness, that which is experiencing its godliness, but to the level that it can with the level of consciousness it has, asks for help and really is open to help, then you will receive the help And the other thing is in shamanic traditions and in many healing traditions, such as the Hawaiian healing tradition as an example, but pretty much all of them have a reverence for the, excuse me, the need to clean. They often call it cleaning. In shamanism, it's called emptying the bone. You know, before I would do any healing work with someone, I have to go outside and, and use sage, do tai chi, breathe, connect to my spirit guides, connect to my soul, and say, please empty me of anything to do with me so that I can be a clean vessel. Mm-hmm. And the more challenging of a situation that we're in in our life, whether it be a relationship challenge, a business challenge, the more we have to come to realize that that's the most important time to empty the bone, but emptying the bone is the hardest to do when you're in fear or you have some kind of stake in the outcome. Yeah. And it takes a lot of practice and a lot of commitment to spiritual growth, and you have to be have enough spiritual courage to lose everything because your soul can take you on a journey that is so scary for the ego. I mean, I've had, for example, I've been in deep healing ceremonies or in medicine ceremonies where spirit told me, make your institute public knowledge, public access, and give everything you own, everything you've developed away to make it maximally possible for people to get this information because it's needed right now. Now, as much as I want to do that, I go back to my wife and I say, "Spirit, great spirit told me this, and this is what she says. And she said, Paul, that sounds really good, and I know that you listen to your soul, and I know you love God. But let me tell you something. In this culture, if you give it away, it won't do a damn bit of good because people don't respect what they don't have to invest in. And you think of all the people you've given free help to and how many of them burned up your time and went home and didn't do a damn thing you asked them to do. So this is the other thing. True spiritual development requires the integration of, shall we say, archetypal, almost unconditional concepts of love with the reality that we live down here at a level where people cannot function at that level. And as my wife says, if you put us out of business to try to love everybody, have you really loved everybody effectively? So I've learned, having done over 400 real 
medicine journeys and thousands and thousands of hours of Tai Chi, Qigong, and meditation that there is a tightrope we have to walk between what we will call the concepts of higher spiritual planes of development and the realities of integration at the level that you're implementing the change at. Because, you know, Jesus might have been able to walk on water, but how many else have been able to do that? So until Jesus hangs around and teaches people one at a time how to walk on water, that's a concept. For example, if Jesus said, just get rid of all the bridges, I can walk on water, you should be able to do. We just have a lot of drowned people. You understand? So true spiritual development is a real commitment, and most people aren't ready to make that commitment until the soul has played itself out with power, with strength, with look at me, I'm bigger, I'm stronger, I'm faster, I'm smarter. Only when you realize that every time you win, you create a loser, and that creates disconnection and ultimately pain, do you get wise enough to say, now it's time for me to really focus myself on service to helping others learn the lessons I've learned through the hard knocks of life. And that's, that's why God loves this, because God has no fear of experiencing the light and the dark of itself. God does not pussyfoot around. God is as willing to be the devil as he is to be the saint and the saint has no function without balance. the devil. And God is the ultimate balance. And you know that God is the ultimate imbalance. Because if balance is balance, then nothing moves. God invests in the imbalance. Or time does not happen. Nothing moves. If the whole universe was perfectly balanced, would there be time? No. Would we have this conversation? No, we'd be frozen in perfection. <laughs> so what we call evil is part of the necessary imbalance that creates the action behind the show that makes it go. And it, consciousness is that which decides just how much imbalance do you need to keep your show going. And here we are. Here we are, baby. <laughs> one, of the, one of the symbols in, in the, the structures that I've really valued a lot from is you know so all right understanding that we're part of the unicity part of all of this universal force that you can call consciousness with a capital c you call love with a capital l call yeah. god you know we're all a part of that yeah. and then but we get the opportunity as the toltecs say to be nagwals to be artists yeah and to paint whatever masterpiece we want mm -hmm. but understand that this whole thing is our what they call their controlled folly you know mm -hmm. like know that at any point when your masterpiece, when your sand mandala, someone swipes across mm -hmm. and ruins it, the only appropriate response is laughter. That's you why know, I because this rocks. is this is a game. This yep. is a game that we're playing. And so, when you've reached that level of mastery, where you know that you're God and you know that you're always going to be a part of that, and no mm -hmm. one's ever going to take that, and you become Nagwal, where you're just the master artist, mm -hmm. you're in a state of joy and laughter and love because there's nothing that can actually be taken from you. Yeah. You get to create the small symphonies yeah. from that one noise of all the instruments that is yeah. God. You get to make concertos and rap songs and metal mm -hmm. songs and whatever you want. Be the artist that you want. Paint with the blacks, paint with the blues, paint with yeah. the yellows, paint with the pinks. Do your, you know, create your masterpiece, but don't forget where you came from. And when your masterpiece, you know, the wind blows it or another person tramples it, laugh. Yes, and and 
there there is that but there's the other side of that oh no because i was just getting somewhere where i was comfortable but let's hear the other side well honestly and, and you'll know this as soon as i share this with you because i see you living it and i know i live it we we both have a lot of that artistic master mastery in us yeah. We, we both have uh, accomplished a lot in our lifetimes and you, especially at your age, have come very far, very fast. Um, but that same person is also very capable of feeling pain when it sees other people hurting. That person's yeah. also very capable of feeling the sadness of the world. That yeah. person's also very capable of experiencing the pain of a broken family and realizing that God is in pain as much as God is an, is an artist. In other words, what I'm saying, that is not yeah. a yang without a yin or a yin without a yang experience. To the same level that you're that artist, you have to realize that the pain and the challenges of life are as important to the art as the bright colors and the sunny days. No doubt. And, and, and you know, I'm only saying that that level of artistry isn't just walking around laughing and giggling at everything and saying, oh, don't worry about it if your mom just died. Because the pain is real because that's part of the tapestry yeah. and you know god is a hundred percent authentic to the dark and the light and those two love each other and need each other because you can't really become you know the word bliss has its root in the etymology of the word pain and you can't really know what bliss is until you've known what pain is. No woman has the bliss of a child until that thing splits her almost in two on the way out the door. You, you can't have the bliss of being a champion in jujitsu until you've had the pain of growing yourself as a champion. So that paintbrush of that artist has blood on it. It has blisters on it and there's a lot of sweat involved. And I think that all I'm saying to just share my perspective on that is that we need to remember that there is no such thing as as um fluffy spirituality no. there is no i read a book and i'm a master now there is no hanging out with a guru in a cave for 10 years and becoming enlightened because you're not enlightened until you can get along with your wife your kids and accept your enemies and see the beauty and the value that your enemies are there to enlighten you as to what you're capable of when it comes to being pushed to see how much anger is in you or what you're willing to do to prove your point. And that is a, a very full-time task for conscious awareness of any ego because the ego has a hard time focusing on anything for more than about a few seconds, especially today. So when you get to the point where if you really want to reach your mastery, you, you, you have to invest yourself in reviewing your day every day and saying, how did I love today and how could I love better tomorrow? You have to accept that not everybody's going to love you or like you. Like I coach a lot of challenging people and some of them really push my buttons because I'm an ex-paratrooper that has confidence in what he teaches and knows what happens when people do what I teach them to do and follow the teacher. But a lot of them are so invested in their own thoughts and their own beliefs that I have to watch them pay me a lot of money and then go off and do exactly what they want and come back and whine that they're not feeling better or looking better or connecting with their soul any better, but they forget I've seen this go on a thousand times. So there's me saying, look, okay, I have to let that person have their individuality. They have to wear their own art form for a while. And all I can do is coach them or guide them at the level they're willing to accept it. And it wouldn't matter if Jesus showed up in church right now. The fact of the matter is one, he'd be a Middle Eastern man 
He'd probably get accused. He'd probably get racial attacks too. He probably wouldn't be dressed in anything most people think is appropriate for Sunday. And they'd treat him like a bum and they'd hang him again. Right. And he would have to once again say, forgive them, Father, well, for they know not what they do. Fortunately, Jesus is coming back in everybody. And that's because well, it's yes, the consciousness yeah. of, of that yeah. of that whole thing. And, and I think yeah. your point is well taken. Like there is no way to arrive at the Nogwal without actually going through the life experience, experiencing yeah. the pain, experiencing the suffering, experiencing yeah. the loss, experiencing all of the things. I mean, that is the poet's soul to really yeah. feel. And that's why we're here, to feel all the things, not just the good, happy things, but to feel all the things. Yeah. But that shred of awareness, that shred that you get, you know, when you actually get to feel it and when you actually get to know it, again, like that 5-MEO integration experience, yeah. that shred will allow you so when someone is lost in something that's very tragic or challenging that you can look at them and say it's okay you're still part of god and where you're going and where your loved one is going or went or where that that's mm -hmm. beautiful too and and you can and then at that point you can still catalyze some of these things that yes they're painful and you cannot ignore that pain yeah. but catalyze and limit the suffering yeah. with ultimately love and a smile because the game is rigged the game is rigged for success the game yeah. is rigged for us ultimately getting back to a state of complete radical realignment with yeah. love well, it's a happy motherfucking ending everybody well, sorry <laughs> sorry well, it's a happy ending if, if you wait long enough well look at we and we started that way you know if you look at the scientific concept of the big bang it means we were all sleeping together in the beginning as one unicity right we whatever Look, if, if the Big Bang started off as an explosion of all the mass and matter boiled, compressed down to about the size of a, a king cob marble or different scientists say it's everything from the size of an orange all the way down to the size of a pea, but imagine the pressure it would take to put that much uh, mass in that small of an area. And so that means to the degree that we have bodies, we were all part of that one thing and it expands itself what an orgy that was yeah <laughs> that was the mother of all orgies exactly and so you know, we all started off you know kinky and we got to stay kinky <laughs> and and the the thing i wanted to share is that everything we're talking about is true but there's also the element of the more we get to the states you're talking about where we are expressing our love, we are creating our dreams, and we are capable of spending more of our time in that state of harmony and bliss within ourselves and in relationships, we find the less that we have the tendency to unconsciously disturb the pot. Mm. Unconsciously, you know, we, we recognize jealousy rising and we say, ah, oh, there's the part of me that is jealous, but we don't have to act it out. We just say, honor it. Mm -hmm. Uh, we get to the point where we we realize we used to create more pain than we needed to to have an authentic, full experience of living. Does that make sense? When we're ignorant and unconscious, we bang into shit like a little kid that doesn't know that a stove's hot and a knife is sharp. So what I'm saying is it's we're at a point now where as a collective, we need to get conscious about what we're doing that's unnecessary and dangerous and destructive to life itself and to each other because we don't really have the capacity to stay in kindergarten any longer before we um, reach a tipping point that stops us from being able to keep the school of spiritual development going. And then we'll meet God, but the question is, are we ready to meet God? Because if you can't manage the God that's within you, can you handle the truth of everything? 
And this is why Carl Jung said all religious systems are designed to protect you from the direct experience of God. And anybody that says, oh, that's bullshit, you don't have to worry about meeting God, I say, good, one full breath of DMT for anyone that's not ready to meet God, and you will see someone who flies around the room like a, a ping pong ball being hit by a very good ping pong ball player or a Super Bowl because they're not ready to experience the power of what is really inside of them. And, you know, books are loaded with what happens when Kundalini rises up and spontaneous Kundalini and people become disabled by it. I mean, we are here to realize what we are, but we have to do the growth and development work to handle the power, the grace, and the glory of unconditional love because it is not something that the mind can really wrap itself around. And one taste of that is enough to just blow your ego's perceptions of what's important right to bits and don't try to rush it's just like building the no. rock circle you know you don't try to stack those rocks as fast no. and as high and as hard no. as you can because that shit's going to topple you're going to yeah. fucking break your foot you're going to it's slow steady listening taking the time opening gently yes the body moves slow it's a tree growing and bending to the light yes digging its roots down yeah. honor the process of the body tree that can hold the light you know that we have and we continue to do that and don't be in a rush because you will blow all the gaskets and, and and if you're consistent right and and this is where leadership is so important right this is what the elders were for this is what medicine men were for this is what shaman for to keep us on the path of sacred rituals to have a healthy mythology to make being spiritual not something you do on sunday in a church but that you do every day with every meal with every hug with every game, every sporting game, every opportunity. And as long as we're consistent, then the, the uh, turtle outruns the hare. But if we're zigzagging and we're forgetting to be spiritual when we're not taking the effort to buy organic food and support healing the soil, and we're voting for people unconsciously because we're going to get a better tax break, but we don't realize they're going to force us to vaccinate our kids with toxins, and we're not really participating fully in life, then we're, we're not really practicing the kind of spirituality that it takes to be slow and steady and consistent. Does that make sense? 100%. If you only practice stacking rocks once a year and you go out there full of testosterone, you'll probably also have one visit to the emergency room every year. Yeah. But if you do 10 minutes a day in the rock garden and you pay close attention and you remember that there's rattlesnakes out there and things that bite, and you have to honor their space too, then a little bit every day turns you into, shall we say, a wise individual in nature. But a little bit of foolishness in nature turns you into someone who got bit by a rattlesnake, bit by a black widow, and you get to go into spiritual practice in the hospital for a while. Yeah, that's not the way you want to know the self. No. <laughs> it's a way to know the self, yeah. but there are better ways. And, and so I think we're all at the point in the world right now where... I mean, people that have grown themselves to integral levels of consciousness where they appreciate the interconnectedness and the beauty of the web of life, like yourself and, and the kind of people that we love and appreciate and, and share our time with, we're all aware that right now it's very important for all of us to do our very, very best to be a good example for others and give them something to see, give them evidence that it is healthier to live this way that you're not just doing it for you you're doing yeah. it for everybody yeah. you're doing it for that example and to be of service you got to be fit for service yes and fucking do it yeah just do it everybody take care of yourself 
and then let that flow out let yourself be an example and let that flow out to everyone else there's no better way no fucking better way and i appreciate you for being one of those people thank you that so many of us can look to who's embodying all of the different practices we fucking did it. This is a sequel. This is going to be like a Fast and Furious franchise. Here. All right, me, man, me and you podcasting. Wait. We're going indefinitely yeah. into the eights, nines, tens. We've, I don't know. We're going to keep doing this well, shit. Well, you know, there's enough to talk about, right? And, <laughs> yeah. and and I think some of the things to talk about are that that daily dose. You know, what are the things that stop people from really doing it every day? How does the ego get itself entrenched? How can we use exercise as a spiritual practice food oh, is a spiritual we're teasing we're teasing part yeah, three sex already. is a spiritual practice we're teasing how do we part use three. education as a spiritual practice how do you love your enemy effectively right how do you love your enemy effectively and know that they're there to bring out the parts of you that need to be evaluated i mean would any of us be the kind of men that we are if we hadn't had enemies along the way or would we just be deluded Hell no we'd just be deluded egos we'd be like right? fluffy like the marshmallow man yeah <laughs> around all. i mean oh, 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 oh. The, the truth is spiritual development is spherical it's 360 no matter what you're doing i don't care if it's sitting on the toilet it can become a spiritual act right and you know you're doing a good job because it falls out of you and it feels good <laughs> right they say the the most overrated thing is sex and the most underrated thing is a good bowel movement (laughs) and you know in my last four doctors will ever need how to get healthy healthy now i show you uh, the poopy cop lineup have you seen that (laughs) no the poopy policeman i show you what all the different kinds of poops that typically come out of a person look like so you can actually look in the toilet and see oh look that one says i'm eating too much fat and i'm not breaking it down effectively that's diarrhea that means i've got a digestive trouble a parasite or a fungal infection but the gold standard is the poopy cup. So I'm just simply saying something as simple as having a good dump and being brave enough to look at it and smell it and knowing what you're looking for can give you the information you need to choose a better farmer, choose a better food, choose a better digestive enzyme, eat more raw food, make choices that ultimately teach you how to be a good example to everybody. And every time it takes you back to, okay, look, too much chemicals, too much fake stuff, you want a poopy cop, you got to get back to nature and she'll love you and guide you, but you got to shut your head off and listen. So you want to know yourself, you got to know your shit too. Know your shit, baby. Know your shit too. Lessons from the toilet. <laughs> Paul, I love you. Love Where you can too. people find you? Um, my my personal blog is paulchecksblog.com. Um, my YouTube channel where I have over 500 videos for free is youtube.com forward slash live. My institute, which houses the body of my work, where I have uh, approximately 14 beautiful, highly skilled instructors that traveled the world teaching, and many, many online courses, DVDs, audios, etc., correspondence courses on all sorts of these topics, is www.chekinstitute.com. Beautiful. And thank you so much for sharing again, and I can't do anything but say i'm really grateful for everything that you do here and on it and and how much of an outreach you have and for loving me enough to help support what i do of course my brother thank, thank you. you as well mutual thank gratitude you. and thanks everybody we love you too Bye. thanks fans this is definitely an incredibly thought-provoking episode i hope you guys really enjoyed it for more check out paul check's entire body of work at his institute and of course we appreciate you we love you we love all the support Thank you so much for everything that you do, and I'll see you next week.